0: kids present, Long Strange Trip, a journey into the publication history of Marvel's Master of the Mystic Arts. Let's place the eye of Agamotto on the Sorcerer Supreme himself, Dr. Steven. Broadcasting from his own sanctum sanctorum is our host, Angus. Welcome back, kids, and thanks for listening. As we debut a brand new series called Long Strange Trip, probing into the history of Doctor Strange on the comic book. Pages. And what better way to start this off than by delving into the Steve Ditko biography done by Blake Bell and an entire chapter dedicated to Doctor Strange 1962 to 1966 from Strange and Stranger, The World of Steve Ditko. Chapter 5. We have a new character in the works for Strange Tales, just a five-page filler named Doctor Strange. Steve Ditko's gonna draw him. It has sort of a black magic theme. The first story is nothing great, but perhaps we can make something of him. Twas Steve's idea. This being a letter from Stan Lee to the comic book reader, number 17, February 1963. Concurrent with Spider-Man number 3, a little heralded character judging by Lee's comments made his first appearance in strange tales number 110. Dubbed Master of Black Magic, later changed to Master of the Mystic Arts, Doctor Strange initially seemed like a step backward. Marvel's pre superhero books of 1959 to 1962 had been obsessed with mysticism. Numerous stories featured criminals and thrill seekers venturing the Far East in search of knowledge, and treasure locked away, in monasteries containing all knowing llamas. And first episodes of Doctor Strange mirrored those tales. In the character's origin appearance. Dicko crafted the story of Dr. Stephen Strange, an egomaniacal, heartless surgeon whose only concerns are material wealth and self-satisfaction. Misfortune then strikes him when a car accident causes neurological damage to Strange and his days at the operating table are over. Unable to bear the thought of being less than perfect, spending his life consulting for those beneath him, Strange seeks out a cure from a mythical figure spoken of only in whispers and shadows. A man from the mountains of India called the Ancient One. At first, the Age Master spurns Strange, but somehow discovers in him a germ of goodness and permits his stay at the retreat. After witnessing an abuse of the mystic arts by the Ancient One's disciple, Baron Mordo, Strange has a moral epiphany. He commits to being the Ancient One's disciple and devotes himself to the lonely task of defending Earth From Black Magic. Over the next three years, Dicko would craft a series that has yet to be matched in its visual integrity, even by the immensely talented artists Bill Everett, Marie Severin, Gene Collan, Frank Bruner, Marshall Rogers, who followed him. If Spider-Man set a new standard for superhero comics and narrative depth, Doctor Strange raised the bar for the visualization of dimensions never before seen or imagined. A backup feature throughout its Strange Tales run, Doctor Strange wasn't even granted a full cover until Dicko's last issue, number 146 in 1966. Nevertheless, his ability to conjure new realms with a unique and identifiable set of visual laws was tailor-made for the character and has provided the artist with perhaps even more accolades than his work on Spider-Man. The earliest tales of Doctor Strange show Dicko finding his bearings with the character. Simple morality plays and tales of haunted houses dominate these initial narratives. Other than the dream realm of the character Nightmare in the first story, Doctor Strange remained relatively restricted to earthbound battles with Mordo and an assortment of oddball characters. The scope of this series exploded with issue number 126. The Domain of the Dread Dormammu features Dr. Strange transgressing the physical barriers of Earth, delving into the dimensions ruled by the powerful despot Dormammu a character devil-like in appearance and just as ruthless. Here, the series makes the turn that catapults Dr. Strange into alternate parallel universes, with Ditko's craftsmanship and imagination stretching the boundaries of known physical laws and dimensions. Dr. Strange's inconspicuous backup status allowed Dicko the freedom-to-shatter narrative convention, as well as artistic ones. With issue number 130, he began a storyline that ran 12 issues, featuring some of the most cosmic Artwork to ever appear in comics the tale of baron mordo teaming up with the new exile dormammu to destroy their mutual nemesis forced dr strange into a worldwide evasion as interconnected subplots traced his search for help from the mysterious entity known as eternity and revealed the failing health of the Ancient One. By 1965, Doctor Strange was beginning to reflect Ditko's separation from the Marvel mindset and family of creators. Stan Lee, in his role as editor of all books, had masterminded a self-contained New York-based world of heroes that would cross paths and team up on a consistent basis in all of his titles. But Lee had enough trouble just keeping up with Ditko's sprawling narratives and decided to leave him to his own devices on Doctor Strange, especially since it was a secondary strip with little Established history or continuity. Absent was Lee's irreverent touch, or a cast of supporting characters to help Doctor Strange shoulder the narrative load. He became an outcast from both humans and the paranormal beings that considered him to be an interloper. He was destined to endure life in solitude, even as he was saving mankind, while at the same time running from a world of supernatural menaces, seeking to destroy him as humanity's last hope. Recalling the narrative arc of Peter Parker from the teenage bookworm to Confident university student, Dicko developed the character of Doctor Strange through an ultimate test on the path to independence. At the end of the aforementioned 12 issue epic, Doctor Strange must face down Mordo and Dharmamu without his mentor, the Ancient One, to assist. As he had on Spider Man, Dicko meticulously planned out the epic. For example, he drops hints in issue 132 of the Omnipotent Entity, two full issues before Doctor Strange is even told about the pivotal character. Ditko's writing style was as inspirational to young cartoonists as his art. My writing was more influenced by Steve than any other cartoonist, says Jim Starlin, who followed in Ditko's otherworldly footsteps on books like Captain Marvel, Warlock, and Dreadstar. I took more from the cosmic part of Steve's writing, like the Dharmamo and Eternity material. Nobody, not even Kirby, was doing anything like that. Kirby was bringing you gods that were spectacular. Steve was bringing you abstract concepts in a persona and giving them personality. Eternity was everything there was, and he's right there talking to you. Even so, it is the visuals accompanying Ditko's narratives that remain transcendent. Ditko created a concept of mysticism and interdimensional travel, which I have never seen before in comics, said artist Gil Kane, known for his work on Green Lantern, The Atom, and in the late 1960s on Spider-Man. It was absolutely believable. Ditko drew inspiration for much of the early Doctor Strange imagery from his childhood hero, Will Eisner. Certain elements, like the classic window from the spirit strip that is pictured in Strange Tales number 117, or the strip's haunted houses and Gothic settings, can be traced back to Eisner, who had derived much of his visual style from motion pictures. The art direction, set design, lighting, characterizations, plot lines, and dialogue of movies had been a strong influence on comic book artists from the beginning and with its many theaters and ready access to research material, Manhattan was a movie haven. One of the most popular haunts for acquiring an 8x10 inch movie still photos was Irving Claw's Movie Star News on 18th Street. Al Williamson once said that he always ran into Ditko at Irvings, said artist Bat and Lash. If you've ever seen the famous film the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, some of the designs of the laboratories look similar. Rather than casting shadows, they painted the shadows on the walls to achieve what we now call Ditko-esque. affection for curio shops and the arcane objects found within served him well when furnishing Dr. Strange's Greenwich Village retreat. The artists also bestowed numerous items that had been very distinct visual reference points in Tibetan culture. The 1965 Spider-Man annual featured a team-up with Doctor Strange and their battle with the sorcerer Xanadu over the possession of the Wand of Watum. The wand resembled the Dorhi, a Tibetan ritual object held in the right hand of a lama during a variety of religious ceremonies. It represented the thunderbolt of enlightenment, the moment signaling an abrupt change in consciousness. Dr. Strange's enchanted amulet placed on his neck, later referred to as the Eye of Agamotto, resembles an amulet called the Eye of Buddha, found in northern India's Buddhist regions to ward off evil and protect its wearer from misfortune. Lee began referring to it as the All-Seeing Eye, as if to reference European images of the Eye of Jehovah, a biblical reference at odds with Ditko's attempt to reflect Indian and Tibetan imagery. With Eisner's influence on the early issues behind him, Ditko propelled Doctor Strange once he had breached the portal to Dormammu's world into territory that could have only come from a singular, imagination. One of the most significant differences between Ditko and the Doctor Strange artist who succeeded him was his ability to create three-dimensional space inside of a panel with a modicum of detail. The first panel on page two of Strange Tales number 138 illustrates a cubist sensibility in the creation of various spatial planes on a two-dimensional surface. Ditko created a sense of other worldliness that was so concrete, notes artist P. Craig Russell, who would ink Ditko in the mid-1980s, by the way. He was also working with these solid geometric shapes, squares, spheres, and triangles, almost like cubism in terms of tearing everything apart and putting it back at odd angles. A lot of other artists would just use a lot of smoke and mist to try to suggest something spooky. Ditko drew something that was almost counterintuitive. By itself, there was nothing spooky about it. It was just a circle with these squiggly black lines drawn all over it. But the way he combines it with everything else makes you feel like you're in a real place that is totally unlike anything you've ever seen before. I've been calling myself a paid illustrator for years, and the reason for that is guys like Steve Ditko, says John Romita, the artist who would follow Ditko on Amazing Spider-Man. The difference is that when you're in their world, you don't have to look around and see which part of it reminds you of them. Everything reminds you of them. So when you talk about artists like Steve Ditko, you have to put them in a special category. They are what I call Creators. The rest of us are illustrators. We illustrate as close as we can to what the editor wants us to do. That's not false modesty. It's the truth. In Doctor Strange, characters rarely engaged in hand to hand combat, relying instead on the visual splendor of conjured spells to do their battling. And unexpected consequence of Ditko's apparitions was their appeal to the psychedelic culture of the 1960s. Rumors circulated that Ditko must have been using mind-altering substances to craft these worlds, a suggestion that horrified Ditko, always the most straight-laced man in comics, but testified to the power of his imagination, the impact of which crossed over into popular music, film, and and literature. In October 1965, the first in a series of psychedelic dance concerts sponsored by San Francisco's Family Dog, which featured Jefferson Airplane, was titled A Tribute to Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange also appeared on the cover of the 1968 Pink Floyd album, A Saucer Fill of Secrets. A 1968 interview of Stanley Kubrick's 2001 featured a picture of Dicko's Conjurer and in Tom Wolfe's 1968 book on novelist LSD advocate Ken Kesey, the electric Kool-Aid acid test, he writes, Kesey was young, serene, and his face lineless and round and smooth as a baby's as he sits for hours on and reading comic books absorbed in the plunging purple Steve Dicko shadows of Doctor Strange. It was a child of beatniks. And it was an urban legend amongst us that Dicko smoked grass, says Kat Yarwandi, a Dicko scholar who co published his work in the early 1980s for Eclipse Comics. A couple of drawings had raunchy, sailor like figures smoking these cigarettes. Dicko probably just carelessly drew them, but they look like joints thin, crooked, and strange. In the 1960s in Berkeley, there was a theory that Ditko's stuff was about drugs. Ditko probably thought he was drawing on Mr. Mystic by Bob Howell for Doctor Strange, but there was also this one issue of Spider-Man in which Aunt May needs this drug called ISO-36. Everyone I knew said it was code for LSD-25. Then there's the Spider-Man issue with Mysterio, where there are all the hallucinations and hypnotic delusions. It's all an illusion! a movie illusion. But my friends and I out there in West Berkeley were like, oh my god, Steve Ditko smokes grass and takes acid. In narrative terms, the Dr. Strange tale in Strange Tales number 141 is akin to Ditko's Spider-Man Shrugged sequence from Spider-Man number 33. Faced with seemingly insurmountable odds, Dr. Strange is able to muster the will to outwit and defeat the dreaded Dormammu. Lee had stopped scripting the title after issue 142, leaving the next two issues in the hands of newcomer Roy Thomas. It was relatively rare for Stan to give up a Dicko job, says Thomas. That was the stuff he always signed and kept himself. When Dicko brought in those two Doctor Strange jobs I had scripted, there were minimal notes in the margins. I had always looked at the art, but I didn't like magician characters and was more likely to read Nick Fury, the man-hero featured in Strange Tales, Doctor Strange was considered at the time a relatively minor strip. Ever since the decisive battle between Dormammu and Eternity in Ditko's last issue, Strange Tales number 146, rumors had circulated about two unpublished stories Ditko penciled during his last days on the strip. I was at Ditko's studio about 10 years ago, says Greg Thixson who befriended Ditko in the 1990s and quizzed him about this. He pointed to a stack of pages on top of a large bookcase and confirmed that they exist. He wouldn't let me see them. Ditko never explained why he would bother to pencil two complete stories that would remain as unpaid work. However, even though number 146 contains some of the most stunning full-page panels, the arc of the narrative is obviously rushed. And if he had to compress two stories into one last hurrah, since the previous issue had nothing to do with the Eternity Dormammu epic, the two extra stories theory of them being lead-ins to the final conflict is therefore plausible. Whatever the case, Strange Tales number 146 was an effective last grasp, documenting Dormammu's thrilling cataclysmic plunge right into the heart of Eternity. Dicko's last issue of Spider-Man number 38 was anticlimactic by comparison, which confirms Ditko's soft spot for the master of the mystic arts. As John Romita concludes, I think the biggest thing we miss was he didn't continue on Doctor Strange. No one could do Doctor Strange like him. There were guys that could do it in spurts, but the whole concept of that whole world was so Dicko, it didn't belong with anyone else. That's the one I miss. The most. As evident in both Spider Man and Doctor Strange, when the Marvel method succeeds, the writer and artist inspire one another to create unified work greater than the sum of its parts. But whatever synergy Lee and Ditko enjoyed during their early tenure on both strips came crashing down in a split of historic proportions, a result of the divide between an artist's right to lay claim to his co creation and a corporation's desire to cling to every aspect of control. Jack Kirby may have been the king. But the battle surrounding creator's rights, morally and financially, would see its first shot fired by Steve Ditko. And thus ends Chapter 5, Doctor Strange, from Strange and Stranger, The World of Steve Ditko. This chapter lays a great foundation for our exploration of the legacy of Doctor Strange throughout the comic book pages gives you some insights into how the artist, writer, creator, Steve Ditko, came up with this character, what influences other Marvel cohorts would have on the character, and establishes the uniqueness of this character that I believe we're about to see flourish in these next phases of the MCU when the movies from Marvel begin rolling out. As we go more cosmic into more worlds, Doctor Strange is the perfect conduit for that. And it is why we're going to take this long, strange trip of exploration to provide some insights as to where these stories may lead and how this expansive world created by Steve Ditko and the main protagonist in that world, Doctor Strange, opens up new possibilities for readers over time and for us viewers of the big screen please join us for our next episode and we hope you will take that long strange trip with us over the next several months